Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you joined us. Not only is God going to build His church, Jesus is coming for His church. That should get us excited this morning because we are celebrating the Creator, the Great I Am, the beginning and the end, and that's why we gather. So thank you so much for joining us. If you have your notes, join me at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28 this morning. So also Christ was offered once for all times as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. And I love this right here. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. God's going to build his church and he's coming for his church. What's beautiful about this is if you look at anything in the, in the New Testament, there are 260 chapters in the New Testament. There are 318 references to Jesus coming back for his church. Out of every uh, prophecy that there is about Jesus' advent, about his arrival this Christmas season, as many as there are, there's over eight that are coming, the second coming for his church. Jesus is coming for his church. New Testament writers, they write time and time again that whenever there's a moral standing or a moral encouragement, they associate it with the second coming of God's church. Today, I want to encourage you, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, Jesus is coming for his church. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. If you'll bow your heads with me, let's pray for God's word today. Lord, we pray that you continue to move in our lives. Guide us and lead us. I pray that you touch those listening. I pray that you make us receptive to your words today. And may we leave here better than the way we came in. In your great and holy name, everyone said, amen. Well, we're excited that you're here. If you're new with us, thank you for joining. Special shout out to you. I can remember I had a, a pretty serious conversation. I call it an adulting conversation. I was encouraged. I just recently got married. I was encouraged to talk to a financial planner. Anybody ever done that, right? Any financial uh, experts in the room, maybe come see me. And I remember one thing uh, about that uh, conversation. I was asked some serious questions, some uh, very maybe invasive questions. And this is the one that stuck out to me. Blake, what are you going to do when you die? I lean into the financial planner. I was like, that's kind of a unique question to ask. What are you going to do when you die? He repeats. I said, well, I filled out my occupation on that form you sent me. I'm a pastor. I'm going to be dancing in heaven. I'm going up there. Woo, I'm excited. Come on. And he goes, okay, Blake, let me, let me be a little more direct. Okay. What are you going to do in relation to Brittany when you die? I said, well, I'm still going to heaven. And uh, I see Brittany having two options, my wife. One, she's going to mourn me for some many, many years. She's going to be so sad because I'm the best that she's ever had, right? And then secondly, I'm like, well, you know, she's a pretty lady. Like, I mean, really pretty. She's going to get remarried and she's going to be good. Like, we're good, right? 
financial planner. I can see the frustration growing on his face. And he finally goes and he says this, like, I'm going to be direct with you. What's your emergency plan for your family whenever you die? Again, I'm polarized. He goes, what are you going to leave Brittany? What kind of resources are you going to give her? Is her name on everything associated with what you own? Is the house, is her name on that mortgage? What are you going to do whenever your uh, uh, memorial service comes? Have you thought about those plans? It's expensive. What are you going to do when you die? Today I want to talk to you about this idea of being ready. See, being ready is coming to this grip and understanding that a wise life begins with the end in mind. Instantly in that conversation with my financial planner, I was encouraged and thrusted into a thought process that I never really thought I would have to deal with, navigate, or really even thought about it in my mid-20s. Instantly, I had to think about the end. See, our viewpoint on the end dictates how we live for Jesus in the present. And today, I want to talk to you coming from Luke chapter 12, Verse 35, we're in this series called In Tune, looking at the teachings of Jesus throughout the Gospel of Luke, the greatest historian known to man to put pen to paper. He was a scholar, and he gives us great insight. Now, we find here in Luke chapter 2 that Jesus is speaking to approximately 10,000 people. We look that, we understand that because of the Greek that is articulated here. And Jesus is coming to this teaching of this massive amount of people, and he is basically in this chapter saying you can depend on yourself, you can depend on the earth, you can depend on what you know, or you can have utter dependence on me. And we see this earlier in Luke chapter 12 and verse 4, he he says this, he says, dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. Virtually don't be afraid of the people that you see. And then a little later on, he goes, aren't you more valuable than a couple sparrows? Again, with this idea of, are you depending on him or are you depending on what you see, your humanity? And then he goes in this parable of the rich fool, and he says this rich fool is this individual who stores up all this wealth, again, depending on his own needs. Finally, Jesus comes to this teaching about being ready for the Lord's call. Being ready. Are you depending on God's eternal perspective, God's eternity plan, or are you owning it for yourself? So today I want to talk to you what it means to be ready. Number one is we are ready when this, when we live on call. When we live on call, verse 12, 35 through 47 is going to be our main text today. If you have your notes, I encourage you to follow along because if you read, write, and recite, we're better to retain what we discussed this morning. So verse 35 says this, be dressed for service. Now, being dressed for service, living on call, now it was a fashion statement for individuals, for men back in the day to wear robes. Now, robes are stylish in ancient times. They were breezy, free-flowing, but really when we look right here in the Greek or ASV, when it says be dressed for service, what it means is to have your loins girded about. To have your loins girded is men would wear these robes, 
And if they ever had to go work or if they had to ever go run or if they ever had to go fight, then what they needed to do was tighten up what was loose down below. They had to take their tunics and they had to wrap it around their legs and tie it into their belt so that they were ready and in a posture to run, they're ready in a posture to fight, and they're ready in a posture to work. Jesus, when he's talking about being ready, the first out of three prominent images that he teaches his followers right here is be dressed for service. Now, we live in southwest Florida. Florida is known for the leisure lifestyle. I mean, we have golf. We have beaches, we have plenty of things to do, we have the sun shining, and it's very easy to fall in this leisure lifestyle. Where, hey, if my needs are met, I'm doing what I want, I'm having some good trips here and there, my friends and my family are taken care of, and my friends have a good, or my my kids have a good school, I am fine. Leisure lifestyle. It's this idea of falling into complacency and saying, hey, maybe I'm missing really what Jesus is talking about when it comes to being ready. See, it's this idea when Jesus is writing right here in verse verse 35, when it comes dressed for services, it's fight mode over relax mode. It's this idea that I am ready for when that phone calls, I'm living on call and I get it, I have to take off out of my house. I have to run, I have to get there. Anybody know any uh, uh, people who've had schedules of living on call or they had to be on call? Instantly, I think of some of my friends who are nurses. Right now, I wanna encourage you, if you are a nurse, if you are a first responder, we are with you, we are praying for you, we stand alongside you because we know there are a lot of decisions that have to be made when it comes to livelihood in America right now. First responders, they live on call. When that phone rings, they have to be ready to dart. They have to be ready to go work. I remember sitting with a friend at a dinner and they got an on-call doctor. They had to grab their bag and they took off within moments. When we're ready for Jesus, when we have that prominent image, when we're dressed for service, we are living a lifestyle on call. The next image that we get, it continues, and, and Jesus goes, and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them, put an apron on, and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come to the middle of the night, he may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will be rewarded and the servants who are ready. The next second image we get of the Lord's coming is this, that Jesus uses as a prominent illustration is this, keep your lamps burning. Now the first century lamp is often made out of clay It was a wick that would put into a pot of oil. And if you were a good, wise, faithful servant, then you attended this lamp. You paid close attention to this lamp. You made made sure that the fuel levels always stayed up to speed. So whenever that master would return, they could see. Whenever that master would knock, they would know where to knock. Whenever the master would walk up to the door, they would know where to walk up to the door. This idea of having a lamp is this encouragement to Jesus' disciples, to Jesus' followers of 
Are we being recharged? Are we looking at what needs to take place? Are we assessing? Are we paying attention? Are we always being in a focus mindset? And then the third prominent uh, image that we get that Jesus outlines for us when it comes to living on call is this in verse 39. He says, understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. It's this prominent image of being alert, a burglar entering into the house. This moment of we're not sure when Jesus' return. Jesus isn't concerned about that time and, and place. Jesus is concerned about our heart and our relationship with him. I remember when we were in Las Vegas, my wife and I, uh, we were robbed. I maybe have shared this story, but here what was, what was interesting about the scenario. Whenever we were robbed, it was in the middle of the day when we were away for work. Now, contrary to popular belief, like the movies typically think the robber, he puts the ski mask on and he comes in the middle of the night and the, the family is frantic. But for us, it was in the middle of the day when we were gone. When we talked to the police, they said, well, that is the typical customs of breaking and entering. The, the, most, the, the highest time that there is going to be a robbery is in the workday. Kind of startled me and caught me off guard. I never would have thought that. See, what Jesus is articulating, he said, you never know when he's going to come because he wants you to focus on always being alert, living a life that isn't of leisure, but is of work, what is of service, that is saying, hey, you're fueled up, you're charged, you're ready to rock. Living on call is this idea that I'm alert to my surroundings, I'm alert to that need, I'm alert to someone hurting, I'm alert to someone in pain, I'm alert, I'm alert, I'm alert. I'm alert saying, hey, I'm going to learn God's word and apply it to my life. I'm alert saying I'm going to go to church even though, man, there's times I don't feel like it. I'm alert to what is spoken to, what is ministered to, what is happening in my life. I'm alert. Living on call. It's a work mode. It's being fueled up. It's staying alert. And then number two for us today when we talk about being ready, we're ready when we're confident in his return. We're confident in his return. Now, when we look at this scripture, and we look at this text as we continue to march through it, in verse 41, Peter asks this question. He says, Lord, is that illustration just for us or is it for everyone? Now, we have to look back at verse 22. What's Peter talking about? What is Peter looking at? In verse 22, Jesus says this, he, he's about 10,000 some people are gathered, very similar to what we discussed last week. And then turning to his disciples, Jesus said this. So Peter and the disciples are standing before Jesus in this massive crowd. And Peter asks in verse 41, is this illustration for us or is this illustration for them? This question highlights one of Jesus' main themes throughout the Gospel of Luke. This dividing line that there are those who know him and there are those who don't. And then there are those who think they know him but really do not. There are those who go to church. There are those who prophesy and preach. There are those who see miracles. Yet when Jesus comes back, they actually don't have a relationship with him. 
So Peter asks this question, and Jesus' basic response is very simple, and he's encouraging Peter to, Peter to self-diagnose. See, Jesus never directly answers Peter's question, but instead gives Peter another story. He encourages Peter, self-diagnose where you stand. What's your state? Are you being assured in yourself, or are you trusting in his words? And that leads to number two today. Ultimately, being ready not only means we live on call, but we're also confident in his return. Look how Jesus describes someone who is confident in his return. He continues, and it says this, And the Lord replied, A faithful and sensible servant is one whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. And I love that little, that, that line right there. A faithful and sensible servant, what this translates to the greatest commandment that we know, love God, love people. A faithful and sensible servant is the one who loves someone and takes care of someone. If the master returns and finds that a servant has done good, verse 43, done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put the servant in charge of all he owns. It's this idea of working. It's this idea of looking and saying, my master is coming back. Am I going to be diligent? That's what Jesus' encouragement is to the readers. He's saying, work and live and be like this servant that I'm speaking about, that I'm teaching about. See, being ready means we work with the expectation the master is coming back to the house. It means that we live by a different moral standard than the world. It means we have a hope. It means we have a different faith. It means our outlook towards others differs. We believe the best about people. We don't believe the worst about people. Our perspective of eternity changes. When we're confident in his return, it's this, I, I, not this big believer in the bucket list. Anybody ever heard of the idea of a bucket list? Maybe some of you have a bucket list. Like today, my bucket list as it stands is maybe I want to wear a pair of Crocs, okay? My bucket list. I want to see the Cincinnati Bengals win one Super Bowl and for sure beat the Green Bay Packers, Pastor Goss's team this afternoon at one o'clock. So we will be done by then, just saying. Or maybe that bucket list, you want to meet some of the greatest actors known, like Bruce Willis or Nicolas Cage. Yeah, yeah, hey, come on. Or maybe you want to go to one of the best bands. You want to go listen to Chicago or some cover bands of Journey. Like, come on, you want to experience a bucket list. Maybe you have your own bucket list. But this idea of a bucket list doesn't actually maybe, or I would argue this, pertain to people who chase and follow and live in a relationship with Jesus. When we look at the bucket list, we can see that when Jesus comes back in Matthew chapter 19, he brings this renewal. He brings this uh, uh, revamped, refreshed, renewed earth. We see this and we come to this understanding that if Jesus is coming back to make things new and renew us, then that's gonna be pretty great. That really we don't have to worry about missing out. Because think, the best steak that you've ever had here on earth, think about that ribeye that you put in your mind. Maybe you've gone to Ruth Chris. That's a cursed steak. That's a steak that maybe uh, is really good right now in our comparative standards, 
but it isn't anything when it comes to a renewed, a refreshed, and a new made earth. Like if that new earth is, is, is so great, but yet we think that the steak that we have maybe this afternoon for lunch is good, it blows our mind to compare the two. Or maybe you're like, hey, on my bucket list, I want to go and live, I want to go see the sights of Europe. But think about that bucket list when Jesus comes back. Think of the sights that he will bring us, he will lead us to. A renewed earth, scholars say. See, when we're ready, we live life confident in his return. When it comes to this idea of a bucket list, we shouldn't be really concerned about what we're going to miss out on this earth because what Jesus has in store for when he comes back, oh man, it's going to be good. And that's what Jesus is teaching here. He's sharing them. He's saying, hey, you be faithful in what I've charged you with. You be faithful in what I'm leading you with. And he continues on right here and we look at the next thing when we're confident in his return. We own the responsibility We're faithful to what he's called us to do. In Matthew chapter 28, this is what he's called us to do. This is what we know as the Great Commission. He says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples, obey all my commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So when we're confident in his return, we're like this good servant. We're working, we have fuel, we're energized, we're alert, and we're doing what has been commissioned to us. That is to go, disciple, evangelize, and then disciple and teach people the ways that Jesus has taught his disciples. There's approximately 206 recognized nations in the world. There are over 17,000 different people groups within those nations. Our mission, our task is not done until each one of those people groups has a effective church, gospel, Jesus-centric ministry alive and present in those churches or in those communities, excuse me. That's our mission. I love this past month, we've had a couple missionaries come and share with us. This past Wednesday, we had one of our very own, uh, Reverend George Rafiti, who uh, pastors and reaches out to Islam communities within the United States. When I was talking with him and he was sharing with me about the different things that he's experienced, you know, we've all seen the tragedy in the Middle East that's happened these past few months. 2,000 Afghan refugees he is navigating with, he is dealing with, he is helping them get jobs, visas in Jacksonville. He's on the front lines. He's confident in the return of Jesus, and so he's being a steward of the task at hand. He's being a good servant. We had Nate Turney, another missionary to New Zealand. When Nate Turney, he is trying to uh, uh, plant a church in one of the most post-Christian secular cities in all of the world in New Zealand. That's difficult. When you're hurting, when you're broken, you can see a need for a savior. A lot of times people can't see a need when everything's going all right. Everything's going good. Nate Turney's addressing that in New Zealand. That's why I encourage you, the best night of the week is coming out on a Wednesday night. It's our prayer and worship service where we see missionaries, where we hear stories about the move of what Jesus is doing about how we can be confident in his return. 
See, earlier we recognize Peter's question to Jesus, gives us the example of a faithful servant. And then he continues, and then he also brings an example of a faith of a not-so-faithful servant. So being ready means, one, we live on call. Number two, we're confident in his return. And number three, we're faithful to the charge. We're faithful to the charge. In Luke 12, 45 through 47, we see Jesus, he continues, and then he gives this illustration. But what if the servant thinks, my master won't be back for a while? And he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant into pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. I want to pause right there because look, what Jesus is talking about there is that divided line that I mentioned earlier. It's this complacency. It's, hey, I'm, I'm in, kind of, I'm a decent servant, but really compared to standards, we're not working on call, we're not being confident in his return, and we're not being faithful to the charge. We're a so-so servant. We're in the house, but we're not really active in the house. What's Jesus do with someone who's kind of just mediocre, just not really living life to his full extent? Jesus says he banishes them with the unfaithful. Stern words, challenging words. See, rather than a servant saying, I'm faithful to the charge, I'm working diligently, I'm making sure everything is compiled and put in the proper place, making sure the lights are on, they say, hey, the master's not coming back until 6 p.m. tonight. What can we get away with? Let's party a little bit. Let, let's, let's push the envelope. See, that's what Jesus is highlighting again for us, and I mentioned it even a little earlier, is he's not concerned about you getting your ducks in a row for that specific time. He's concerned that you're living steadfastly for him and within his love and chasing him and pursuing him and living in a radical relationship with him. In verse 47, a servant who knows what the master wants but isn't prepared, doesn't carry out those instructions, will be severely punished. Extreme words, extreme words. This isn't the only time Jesus taught in similar fashion. In Luke 19, a little, some chapters earlier, there's this story about the wicked servant. Three servants, they're entrusted with money. Two of them go and they get a return on the money. And the, the final servant has the money but doesn't get a return on the money. He just stays. He stays in limbo, stays stagnant. Doesn't stay in a posture of growth. He stays in a fixed mindset. Jesus refers to him as a wicked servant. So I want to challenge you today, if you're watching online here in this place, are you staying in a growth mindset saying, hey, am I different than I was a year ago? Is my prayer life changing a year ago? Am I staying faithful to ministering, reaching lost people? Am I, am I growing in my own discipleship? How am I leading my family? Faithful to the charge. One of my favorite speakers, he told this story he says this, there are two junior devils talking to Satan one day. One, and their whole mission was to destroy the church. So they gave Satan some ideas and they said, one said, I'm gonna tell everybody, I'm gonna tell the church that there is no God. 
Satan replied, he said, that's not going to work. People instinctively know that there's a God. The second junior devil says, I'm going to tell everybody that there is no hell. Satan replied to him and he said, well, that's not going to work. People uh, instinctively know that there's a punishment for their sin, for their mistakes. So they asked Satan, well, what would you do? He says, if you want to destroy the church, you don't tell people there is no God. You don't tell people there is no hell. You tell people there is no hurry. Today, we need to be challenged with being faithful to the charge, being faithful to what is laid before us, being faithful to, are we being a faithful servant? Or are we saying, hey, what can I get away with? What can I get away with? I love what A.W. Tozer says this. He says, the faith of Christ offers us no buttons to push for a quick service. And in other words, it's a process. It's a process. So my question for you this morning is this. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to work? Are you dressed for service? Are you alert? Are you fueled up? Are you living confidently knowing that Jesus is coming back for his church? Not only is he going to build his church, he's coming back for his church. Are you being faithful to your charge and what Jesus has commissioned you with? See, in verse 37, we see the reward. We see what Jesus speaks about, the positive side. When you're sitting here like, Pastor Blake, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I can deal with this. I don't know if I can navigate this. You're asking a lot out of us. Well, I want to encourage you with what verse 37 says, the servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself will seat them, put an apron on, and then serve them as they sit and eat. Now that is the gospel, that the master now becomes the servant. Jesus modeled that for us, and he's coming back and he's saying, this is what's still going to happen. This is the follow-through. There will be a reward. I'm not sure what that reward is. No scholar, no theologian knows exactly that reward. But I do know this, that reward is going to be something amazing that we can't even understand in our mindset right now. That master is going to come to the servant. He says, in one translation, I love it, say you can recline at the table. Not only do you have a seat at the table, but you can recline at the table. A complete posture of comfortability. Relax. And then I love... I believe it's in verse 44, it says, then you'll put, be put in charge of all that he owns. It's this promise that Jesus is leaving for his disciples. So we're gonna do something a little different today. It's been a little bit since we've done this. I'm gonna invite um, you to stand with us this morning. I'm gonna invite this time our prayer partners for um, we're going to do what we call an altar call. An altar call is this moment where we say, when we evaluate our hearts, where we take this step, maybe it's uncomfortable for you. Maybe it's challenging for you. Maybe you're saying, ah, you know, Pastor Blake, that makes me, that stretches me. The reason we have an altar call is 
very similar and the best illustration coming in David whenever he made a mistake he erected an altar and one of his grievous mistakes in the Old Testament and he did it for two purposes I spoke on a month or so ago and he says this first to mark that mistake in his life so he could be reminded of what happened but then two also to be reminded of the goodness of God the miracles of God the promises of God. Today, my question for you is, are you ready? Are you living on call? Are you confident that Jesus is returning? Are you being that faithful servant? And then are you fulfilling that charge that has been entrusted to you? We're going to lean into this moment of worship and then I'm going to come back and conclude and when we start singing this song if you feel like you need prayer whatever it might be if it's a prayer for healing if it's a prayer for encouragement if it's a prayer for anything we talked about maybe you need to give your life over to the Lord we have people down here who want to pray with you or maybe you just need to stand here and say hey God I just need to mark some things going on in my life I'm going to encourage you to do that right now when we enter into this moment of worship right now as we enter into this time of prayer and worship. Pastor Steph's going to lead us and they'll be coming back in just a moment to conclude service. Are you ready? That's your encouragement today to evaluate. And here's our hope for you today. That one, you become ready by starting a relationship with Jesus. And we make it really easy here at Faith Assembly. We have a communication card online that you can fill out or stop by our hub. And we want to go along this faith journey with you. Maybe you say, I have a relationship, but maybe you need to evaluate your life, your heart, and your mind right now and say, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to assess? Am I truly ready? And that's our second hope for you. You can find it in our notes that you evaluate your readiness level. Are you being faithful with what the master has left you? Thank you so much for being here. I'm gonna conclude in prayer and then I have a couple closing remarks. If you'll bow your head with me. Lord, we give you this time and we say thank you. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to worship you. Lord, we pray that you help us to become ready because you know, we know you're coming back for your church and we are excited for that. God, we give you this time and we pray with those who have come forth and we, we pray a special blessing and anointing and encouragement over them right now. And Lord, we pray with those who are maybe staying in their seat, who wanted to come forward, but for whatever reason, Lord, they, they maybe took a pause this moment. Lord, continue to be with them. Lord, I pray that you be with each and every one of us in this room, and may we have a, a mindset, a mentality of readiness, knowing that we are going to live offensively for you and not defensively for ourselves. God, continue to be with us, Faith Assembly, and all the churches in this area and our nation and our world. And you're great. In holy name, we all said, amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.